0: Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host Albert, and this is episode 35, Dungeon Crawling. Welcome back everyone. Tonight's episode is something I've really been looking forward to for a while. I've been wanting to talk about dungeon crawlers for the longest time and finally getting to it after 35 episodes. We'll see that dungeon crawling covers a whole lot of different games, As I said, I'm excited to get into that, so let me jump into the news first and get that out of the way. First up, Navajo Wars, being published by GMT, is now going to get a mounted map. So anybody that has pre-ordered the game or buys the game in the future will get that mounted map. The price of the game is not going up, at least not for the pre-orders. I'm not sure about anybody that buys it later. This is something they decided to do if the game reached about 800 orders. They were currently about 75 orders short. They decided to to do this anyway because it's time to send the game to a printer and they're just going to take a chance. I believe what they said was the decision depended on how many games they sold because of the cost to publish the game. More news from GMT. They are, have announced Fields of Fire 2. Fields of Fire is a solitaire card game that was released about two or three years ago. Maybe four years ago at this point. I'm not sure. The The original release had a lot of complaints because the rule book was very confusing but uh, people that have slogged through it and figured it out and have played it said so it's a really good game. They have also republished or redone the rules. Fields of Fire is apparently going to get reprinted at some point. It's on the P500 for a reprint. But now they also have Fields of Fire 2 coming out. Number 3 and probably the only dungeon crawling news I actually have this show is the game Dungeon Row by, Tains- by Tasty Minstrel Games is currently on Kickstarter. It's a light dungeon crawling game. It's a dice game. The game is on Kickstarter for $15, and it is doing extremely well, so there's all sorts of add-ons and that sort of thing. So if if you're interested in Kickstarter and all the add-ons you could get from them, go check the game out. It's only $15. I decided to back it just for the heck of it. The one thing I don't like is that the game comes in a box that's shaped like a treasure chest, which is pretty cool, but really unstackable. Number four is another Kickstarter item. There's a game called Once Upon a Fable, which is a... It is a worker placement game based upon fairy tales and fables. It supports one through, I think, four players. And I think there is more with the expansions. It's unfortunately a little bit expensive, so I'm not going to back that one. I really like the art. I've always really liked fairy tales and and that sort of thing. News item number five and six, Fifth Column Games, which is the publisher of Where There Is Discord, has already sold out of on Where There Is Discord. The game went on pre-order and... They finished a pre-order. The game hasn't even been published yet, but unfortunately, you can't get any more copies. At least, it won't be easy to find any more copies at this point. And they do have another game that's going to come out at the same time, which I believe might be as soon as next month. From what I've read, it's I'm not sure it's entirely clear. The game is called Codewell. I'm sorry. The game is called Code Word Cromwell, the German invasion of England. It takes place in England during World War II when the Germans attacked the island. And the attack sort of wasn't taken seriously because there's only a few people there, a few Germans. That game isn't available for pre-order yet, but I think will be pretty soon. The last item, which is not at all solitaire gaming related, but I do have some interest in personally. I don't know if you've already seen this on BGG or maybe elsewhere, but Todd Bretenstein, the designer of zombies and of Twilight Creations game, is currently dealing with stage 4 cancer in his lungs. On BGG they have taken up a campaign to to rate his game zombies a 10 in, a, in an effort to give him some moral support and just show show that people care about him and hope he does well. I lost both my parents to cancer last year, so I went ahead and rated this a 10. And as a personal favor, I'd ask that you go out there and rate zombies a 10 on BGG. Okay, now on to dungeon crawling. So as I've already said at least once, today's episode is about dungeon crawlers. If you don't know what they are, these are basically games in which you play one or more adventures. Generally, like in a fantasy setting, exploring some ruins or caves or maybe even some sort of enemy stronghold. Generally, you're fighting monsters, looking for loot, and trying to kill the boss. That right there, in a nutshell, is a dungeon crawler. I think my interest in dungeon crawlers goes back to 1981 when I had my Atari 2600. I remember in one of the Atari catalogs, there was a picture of a guy. He was a fighter with armor and a sword in one hand and a torch in the other, entering some sort of structure. A very menacing-looking thing with, like, the entrance was sort of shaped like a dragon's mouth or something. Or a demon's mouth. And I remember looking at this picture for for hours, probably. Maybe it was only minutes, but it seems like hours right now. And uh, just wondering where he was going into and what this place was, and I... That just took me and I just found the whole concept of exploring these ruins fascinating. It's just cool. I looked online and found the picture I'm talking about. And I have posted it as this episode's cover picture. So so make sure to check that out if you don't know what I'm talking about. You see, I should say, back then in 1981, I was 12 years old. So I was, you know, I was pretty young. I don't remember having been in, introduced to any other fantasy at that point. So I used to like all those fantasy video games and... Later on, I started playing D&D when I graduated from high school. Yeah, then I got back into fantasy video games on my Amiga and went on and on from there. So like I said, th- the games are generally fantasy-themed, exploring dungeons, ruins, that sort of thing. There are variants to the games, though. Sometimes they're outdoor games. Instead of going through a dungeon, you might be going through a forest or through villages and whatnot. Uh, some games are set in space, such as Space Hulk Death Angel, the card game that's really just a dungeon crawler. Some are a pulp setting. Think Indiana Jones and sci-fi. already said space, but I mean, that's more or less the same thing. There are a lot of different settings when you could do the same sort of thing. It, you're entering some sort of stronghold and dealing with lots of enemies and hoping, hopefully getting out alive. But I think when people say dungeon crawler, you're they're generally speaking about that fan- fantasy variety. I think the dungeon crawler, the modern dungeon crawler, dates back probably its earliest origins are the stories uh, of Conan by Robert E D- by Robert E Howard he wrote them in the 30s the ones I've read some of them are dungeon crawlers Conan goes into some ruins or, or temple or different places depending on the story and basically just like uh, like I described he fights different monsters he's looking for loot and he's killing a boss it's been a few years since I've read any Conan but from what I recall, he generally goes in solo, and sometimes he meets somebody and you know takes him along with him. There's also the Conan movies from the '80s, in which at the very beginning he goes into some fortress as a thief. I th- if I remember right, that's one of the books, and that's that's just another dungeon crawl. After that, I think we should jump forward to Dungeons and Dragons, which started in the '70s. A lot of those early Dungeons and Dragons modules, I think. Our dungeon crawlers. At least the ones I remember playing. So that wasn't until the, the late 80s. A lot of those were just going into caves and fighting giants and spiders and orcs and whatnot. Or entering fortresses or, or whatever. Most of the campaigns, I think, most of the early campaigns I played, most of the campaigns we bought were dungeon crawlers. I don't know if that was because the the DM's preference or what. This is interesting. I read online... That according to Gary Gygax, the first actual dungeon crawl was in a war game. And I believe it was a fantasy war game. The invading army entered a castle through an escape tunnel through the fortress's dungeon. So there was actually an original dungeon crawl scenario. And like I say, that doesn't sound specifically Conan-ish. But still, I think a lot of the inspirations of D&D are Robert E. Howard's Conan. Then after that, we could jump forward to video games. There were a lot of early roguelikes, which I think were from the 70s. A lot of those were text graphics. In those, in those games, you're entering a dungeon, and you're a character that has some sort of abilities. You're fighting monsters and descending deeper and deeper into the dungeon to fight a boss. I've never actually played one through, but I, I I've I listened to podcasts about Dungeon Crawlers for a little while. Or not about Dungeon Crawlers. I listened to a podcast about roguelike for a little while and apparently they generally do have bosses at the end. A, a personal favorite of mine which which has a, a warm place in my heart is Dungeon Master, published by FTL Games. I had that on the Amiga, I'm pretty sure it was on other platforms, and that was a dungeon crawler and it was first person and you took in four characters. And boy, I remember the game, the uh I remember walking around in the dungeon and hearing like footsteps and noises that would actually freak me out knowing there's something close by trying to get to me. You know, I'm sure if I tried playing the game now, I'd be so disappointed And based on how dated it looks and feels. But back then, it was just amazing. And, you know, and then there's also lots of RPG games like uh, Bard's Tale and Baldur's Gate and the other TSR games. And a lot of these games aren't specifically dungeon crawlers, but they do have dungeon crawls in them. So yeah, so the dungeon crawl as a game has been around for a long, long time, and you know, I'm sure it's here to stay. A lot of our dungeon-crawling board games have their origins in these three or four things I mentioned. There's a few other common features to all the games, and let, let's just stick with the fantasy ones for now. A lot of them tend to have random layouts, and I think that's just to make it more replayable, so you, you lay out tiles or boards or whatever before you start or maybe as you're playing. Some of the older ones don't. I'm thinking Hero Quest, for example, or Dungeon from TSR. The monsters tend to be pretty randomly laid out, as well as the loot. You have multiple character types to pick from: uh, generally, a, a fighter, a wizard, an elf, a dwarf, and a cleric of some kind. And those are pretty typical character classes. You know, some might say those aren't really classes; some are races and that sort of thing. But you know, whatever that—that's what you do tend to find in a lot of the games, anyway. And depending on what type you play, you know, they each feel different. I think when you play a fighter, the games feel more active, you're more engaged in everything that's going on, and the gameplay, f- yeah, it just feels quick. When you play a, a wizard, for example, the games tend to play more slowly and you have to be more careful because you if you get hit, you're more likely to die. So they're more slow, thinky games. The clerics and the other races often tend to be somewhere in between those two, where you could do some direct fighting and you could do some ranged fighting. They pretty much all I think have boss monsters. At the end of it you're trying to get to some guy who is way bigger than everything else you fought so far. The game has leveling so as you progress through it you're going to get stronger and tougher so that hopefully at the end you could beat the boss monster. Boss monster. A lot of dungeon crawlers have little plastic figures especially if you're moving around on a board and a lot of them use dice. I think For some reason, DICE is just really popular with Dungeon Crawlers. I haven't seen many where, like, strictly cards or action selection or, I don't know, worker placement Dungeon Crawlers. That'd be interesting. Weird, but interesting. Just for the fun of it, I went ahead and listed a few Dungeon Crawlers I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, Let me share those with you. First is Dungeon from TSR. It's an older game. It wasn't designed for Solitaire Play specifically, but... It can be played solitaire. I have yet to try it. I've had it. I found it at one. I have yet to to play it. And I kept meaning to play it so I could do a podcast episode on it. But now maybe that I'm doing an episode on Dungeon Crawler, this one might take a while. Then, well, actually I don't have Dungeon. What I have is New Dungeon, which is I guess like a second edition that TSR did back in the 80s. Maybe the 90s. I'm not sure exactly when. And then just recently they did the new Dungeon, which is not the same game as New Dungeon. That one, I, well, I assume it's published by Wizards of the Coast. Honestly, I haven't really looked into this one at all. If I remember right, that's one that's got that gray cover and it sort of looks ugly when i seen pictures of it on BGG, so I've ignored it. Talking about games by TSR, reminds me a lot of Dungeon Crawler games ha- require a DM sort of character, which, pr- which plays the role of the bad guys. Those are not going to work so well solitaire. The ones I'm looking at here all tend to play without a DM, so everybody's playing the good guys. Next up is one I didn't really know about until just the other day, Tomb, which is published by AEG, is a, a fantasy dungeon crawler. And Well, I knew about it. What I didn't know is that it supports solitaire play. I think it's designed for one to four people. Now that I've read that, I'm really curious about the game. Number five I mentioned in the news is Dungeon Row. Don't know much about that, so, as I haven't tried to read the rules, but it is a dungeon crawler. There are different character classes, and it definitely features dice. Number six is a print-and-play Dungeons of D. It's a small card game. It uses just cards. Number seven is Thunderstone. It's another game which I've been interested in getting. Thunderstone Advance is out now. I have played Thunderstone online on Yucatan. I've really enjoyed it every time I've played. I've never tried the Solitaire game yet. And then I also came up with a few that are... Non-fantasy. Actually, I've already talked about two of them before in previous shows. One is Space Hulk Death Angel, which I already mentioned. And the other is the Island of Dr. Necro. In both of those games, you're entering an enemy fortress and trying to get through it. And in Island of Dr. Necro, you aren't actually looking for the boss, but you do come across them. But those are both pretty dungeon-crawly, I think. If you've been paying attention, you're probably pulling your hair out right now saying, Albert, I can't believe you didn't mention my favorite dungeon-crawler. I've left out quite a few, and I did that on purpose. Some obscure, some not at all obscure. Just for the fun of it, I'm going to do a little contest. It's not much of a prize, but I'm not going to mention what it is until next episode. Anyway, email me at oneplayeralbert at gmail.com or send me a geekmail on BGG, user Fractaloon, and name one dungeon crawler that I left out whether you like it or don't like it or whatever and you're entered in the contest historically so far I haven't had many people enter in any of the contests I've had so odds are pretty high that you'll win and I'm probably going to have at least two winners is what I'm thinking right now so come on enter, do it, do it and now on to the main feature okay so today's game is the aptly named Dungeon Crawler this is an expandable card game designed by Jay Lagari, published by Gifted Vision in 2010. And I'm surprised I actually hadn't heard about this game until maybe three months ago at most. And it has been around longer than The Lord of the Rings Living Card Game, which is the only other solitaire collectible card game type game that I know of. So this is a, a dungeon crawler. Surprise, surprise. It is a fantasy themed game. You're basically taking four heroes through a dungeon looking for loot and that sort of thing. As I said, it's a it's a it's an expandable card game. In other words, it's a collectible card game without the collectible part in it. Originally it was published as a collectible card game, but apparently the printer missorted the cards so they decided to just release them as expandable. And I think that's way better. I mean, the whole collectible thing, I just shy away from whenever I see those just because, well, because I played Magic and spent too much on it. Anyway, I'm digressing here. So this is a a fantasy game. The way it works is there's basically two decks. There's a crawler deck, which represents your cards that you have to help you through the adventure, and there's a dungeon deck, which is the obstacles you're going to face. Besides that, you got four player cards, four characters, that you have in play and three goals that you're trying to achieve. The game comes as a starter set which has enough cards for solitaire play. If you get more starter sets or more expansions then you can actually play multiplayer. It could be played cooperatively or competitively multiplayer. I have only tried the solitaire rules and my understanding is that originally it was designed as a solitaire game. So the starter set brings about 140 cards and when you play you're actually going to use all but three of those I think. So when you're going to play the game, well, well let me assume you've already, if you have extra cards, you've already have, uh, built the decks you're going to play with, and you're ready to start the game. What you're going to do is you're going to shuffle your crawler deck, which is the player cards, you're going to shuffle the dungeon deck, you're going to pick four heroes to play with, and you're going to choose three quests to complete. And the game brings five quests and five heroes. So you're basically using all but one hero and choosing all but two quests. When you play the game, to win, you either have to accomplish two out of the three quests or draw through the entire dungeon deck. And when it's the next time to draw another dungeon card, if there's no dungeon cards, you win. You lose if your, your heroes all die. Now, one thing I really like about this game is the setup is super easy. With the starter deck, all I have to do is pull out the cards. They're already sorted nicely in the box with uh, bands around the cards. Shuffle each deck, pick my heroes and my three quests, and start. So when you start the game, you're gonna have a hand of five cards, and there's gonna be an encounter limit of five. The encounter limit controls more or less how many cards you're dealing with from the dungeon deck each turn. So a turn goes pretty much like this: draw cards from the dungeon deck up until their encounter values total five. Card values range from zero to I've seen of high, as high as three in, in the starter set. Once you reach or pass that limit, you stop drawing if you pass it you you take out the card that passed it since some of the cards can have zero, you might be facing as many you know seven. I think I had one time where I had eight cards opposed against me, so you can draw these dungeon cards, some of them have effects that happen when you play them things such as uh tapping or I should say locking your your heroes or maybe forcing you to draw more cards from the dungeon deck and That sort of thing. So you're going to have these cards. Then you're going to use the cards in your hands and your heroes. Now there's a couple different kinds of dungeon cards. There's traps, there's creatures, and um, a couple others that modify things. You're going to look at all your cards and they're going to give you a total defense value and a total attack value. And during your attack turn, you need to attack with points equal to or greater than the defense value. If you succeed that, you do one point of damage to any creature of your choice. Each creature has a strength of zero or higher, depending on the creature. And once you do damage greater than or equal to the creature's defense, you kill it. So if a a creature has zero defense, for example, as soon as you hit it, it's dead. If it has one defense, it's dead. Remember, you only do one point of damage each time you attack. If a creature has, say, for example, three defense, you put a counter on it. And you're still going to have to hit it the next two turns before it's out of the game. After that, the creatures attack you. They're going to add up all their attack values, including the dungeons. After that, the next phase, the dungeon attacks you. You're going to add up all the attack values for all the creatures and traps and anything else that affects that from that dungeon deck. And then you have to defend for that many points. Each hero can attack or defend for one point and you do that, you activate them, which is sort of like tapping. If you succeed to defend, nothing happens. If you fail to defend, your your first character takes damage. Now your characters are lined up from left to right in marching order. Always the first character takes the hits, unless one of the dungeon cards or even one of the crawler cards tell you otherwise. After that, you discard all the dungeon cards, upset creatures that have uh, hit points higher than zero, and other cards that say they they have a time limit on it, which basically means it'll stick around for a couple turns. Then you draw a card or draw up to your hand limit. If you're, you're if you didn't use any cards that turn, you still draw a card and then discard one, and then that's a turn. You basically go into the next turn. There, there's other things like uh, housekeeping, like untapping and unlocking uh, cards, but that's basically the game where a lot of the gameplay happens is in the, the attack and defense and playing your cards. Your cards are basically add to your attack value or kill creatures or do other things that interact with the cards in play. Like your typical CCG basically. Once you get the hang of it the game is pretty simple. Now one thing I really like about this game now being the two solitaire CCGs out there this game will get compared to Lord of the Rings. It has a slight similar feel, but it is very, very different, really. I think the similarity comes in that you're trying to complete quests in both games. The way they play out is very different, though. The quests that I have seen in Dungeon Crawler all have to do with encountering specific cards in the game and defeating them or dealing with them in certain ways. Lord of the Rings, on the other hand, the quest, you, you basically... Are dealing with the cards that are coming out from the we'll call the dungeon deck, and while you're trying to deal with that, at the same time you're doing the quest on a separate path. So when you're when you're doing your your turn and you're trying to attack and defend, one thing that's noticeably different from this game to Lord of the Rings is that you know what's going to happen exactly and you know the outcome of the combat before. So when you play the Lord of the Rings uh, card game and you're going to have combat, what happens is some creatures are attacking you, and they each have an attack and defense value, and you're going to line up the people you want to defend with who also have attack and defend values. You know, you play any cards you want to use to modify that. Once you've got the whole thing figured out, then you flip over a shadow card that modifies the creature's attack value, and now they're probably doing more damage than you had expected, and you have no idea how much more they're going to do. So combat always feels pretty random that way. In Dungeon Crawler, when the combat starts, there's no surprises coming up. All the cards in play... ...are what's in play and you know everybody's values. So a turn in this game tends to... ...you spend more time thinking about it and planning it... ...to make it work perfectly. And I like that about it because it's more thinky than uh, Lord of the Rings... ...where there's more luck involved in that. Now the game is a bit confusing the first time you play. And I should say, the book that comes with the game is a reference book. It's a player's guide. It's not the rule book. Apparently the rules are online... So when you look through the reference book, I mean, if you spend a lot of time reading and studying, all the information is in there, but the way it's organized, it you don't really learn how to play a game from it. So what I did when I started playing is I read the reference book, I looked through it, I figured out all of the different card types and learned that, and then when I went online to the Gift of Visions website and I played a walkthrough that they had where they tell you to you know set up the deck in a certain order and play through it and explain each turn step by step and between that and using the player's guide i understand how to play pretty really well now i think at least i I don't think i'm making any huge mistakes the the book that does come with the game is really nice book it's got a color throughout well it's got a color cover with i think a really cool picture of a goblin the the main villain in the in this dungeon it's got a lot of pictures with reference text and everything in there all the all the card attributes that the creatures have and other attributes are explained. The, the one drawback is that the rulebook is a little bit too small and sometimes the text is really hard to read. I mean, It looks like a, a six point font or something maybe. At least in the image captions. Now the game is more variable in that you can determine the difficulty level. Depending on the difficulty level you have a different deck size. You have a different encounter limit. And I think you might, and you even have a different number of potential heroes you start with. There's a lot of details I did leave out. Um, for example, there's card activation, which is tapping. And then cards can get locked where they're frozen for a few turns. There's a lot of the creatures have different abilities. Some let you draw cards from the discard. Some attack somebody other than the main character. Some have flying. Though I haven't seen that really make much difference. Only one time did that affect the game. And, you know, that's a lot like, I think, I remember when I first started playing Magic and all I had was a one or two decks. A lot of the cards were not that useful because you know, it was just a very random deck. And I think, you know, the same sort of thing with this. If you buy some of the expansion decks, each of the expansion decks that are available now brings some encounter cards and a few heroes and some quests, maybe another quest or two, and some crawler cards. So as you start buying more cards, you could tweak your deck and make it a a better deck. One thing that's interesting is that in this game, let's go back to Lord of the Rings again for example. The game brings three adventures in it, and you could buy different packs, which are basically other adventures. Each time you play, it tells you which cards go into the, the equivalent of the dungeon deck in this game. So that is predetermined by the adventure. When you're playing this game, there is no set rules on how to organize your deck, it's basically pick a bunch of cards you want to play against, pick the cards you want to play with, and then play the game. So in that sense, it's more of a playground environment than it is a, a very structured game. I mean, at least that would be true once you start getting more than just a starter set. There are currently available, I believe it was four, or maybe five, expansion decks you could buy. Each one has about 60 cards. It brings some dungeon, some crawler, one or two heroes, and one or two quest cards and they just recently released another expansion called The Minds of Kurgan which is funded through Kickstarter and again that has like another 60 or so cards I think. I tried to get that from my friendly local game store before the show was published but I unfortunately it wasn't available for whatever reason. The quality of the game is a bit variable. The cards are nice stock and they're easy to shuffle and fan. Unfortunately, when you look at the card backs, it seems that the the color is inconsistent. For example, some of my crawler cards are a little more more blue than others, but they they tend to be really close. But I suppose that could affect the game. But you know, it hasn't I haven't paid attention to that at all when I'm playing. the The box and the counters that come with the game are a little bit thin, but totally usable. And um, the gameplay never suffers from quality at all. I found it fun. And as I was playing, it, never really gave any real thoughts as to the quality. One nice little thing I like is the box comes with three spaces for the for the different card types. And the cards come wrapped with a little band around them so they stay organized in the box and don't get all scattered and mixed up. It's a really nice touch. I was really impressed with that. I did find the length of the game can be a bit variable. I played one game where I finished it in five turns... Because I just got lucky with the uh, the cards that came up, happened to match my quest very well. Other games have taken, uh, you know, other games I f- I finished and maybe one because I went all the way through the entire deck, and I think a couple of those took forty five minutes. Granted, some of that forty five minutes was referencing the the rulebook as I was still trying to learn what the different abilities and effects are. But my point really is that the game length is variable, and it's probably somewhere between. Ten minutes or thirty minutes. I find it less fun when I win by completing going completely going through the deck. The the game almost feels like it's starting to drag out after a little while. But that's only happened, I think, once. I like the the art style in this game. It is it's a bit dark. The graphics are dark and the styles are dark. There's a few different styles of cards. I like all of them. I don't know that they necessarily complement each other. One, for example, is more cartoony than the rest. One thing I really like about the design of the cards is that the image takes almost the, the full size of the card. And the text is generally in front of the image. And I like that because, you know, the pictures are just larger and more detailed. The art doesn't feel like I'm in a dungeon, even though the game is called Dungeon Crawler, because a lot of the pictures are outside scenes. And still, you're playing and there's traps and things like that, so you obviously are in some sort of dungeon. So there we go, that's Dungeon Crawler. It's a, it's a game I found very satisfying. I, I like that I could set it up really fast, just basically open the box and put the cards out and start playing. I enjoy the process of thinking through each round and figuring out what's the best strategy to, to attack and defend and either minimize the damage or get rid of the most annoying dungeon cards and that sort of thing. And that aspect of the game is really fun. The hand management tends to be interesting. The only time I don't really enjoy the game, as I said before, is when it drags out through the entire deck. Okay, there we go. That's it for this week. Don't forget to send me an email and enter the contest. Well, that's the end of today's episode. If you'd like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek, or you can email me at oneplayeralbert at gmail.com. You can also post comments on the Podcast Geek List on BoardGameGeek or come visit the One Player Guild on BoardGameGeek for comments and discussion and whatnot. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected under a Creative Commons license and can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published under Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. Thanks for listening.